This episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by Fashion on the Rocks Cruel Winter, taking place Saturday, November 12th at the historic Botwell Auditorium located in downtown Birmingham. Doors open at 6 p.m. with their business expose. Fashion on the Rocks will feature designers from Atlanta, Memphis, and Birmingham who all are on the cutting edge of high fashion avant-garde. Autism will be our highlighted focus for Fashion on the Rocks as we help to enlighten our community on this serious issue within our community. Follow us on Instagram at Fashion on the Rock underscore network and on our Facebook page at Fashion on the Rocks Network LLC. Fashion on the Rocks, where fashion show meets evolution. Fashion on the Rocks 3. What it is and what it do, this is your boy Lawrence G. And I am Joey Burnham. And this is Jonathan Crane. And this is the, the Grown, Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show, where we talk about love, life, hip hop, and grown man shit. And everything in between. Ta da! My Nikas! My nigga. What's up, man? Leon Kennedy. <laughs> Inside. How y'all doing, man? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. That's that's what's up, man. Um, anything interesting happened for either one of you guys this week? Moving now, on. <laughs> I can make up a lie. I can lie about something. Well, let's just lie about yeah, our week. Yeah, let's lie. You go first. What you go you first. Let's week? just lie about our week. Let the lies ensue. Well, I uh, I went to a movie premiere. Yes. Uh, with Holly Berry, she did a film called "Am I a Light Skin Negro?" Yes. Or am I a light-skinned coon? Yeah. Directed by Tyler Perry? Directed by Lee Daniels. Yeah. Oh. Executive produced by Tyler, Tyler Perry. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Written by <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg in blackface. Starring Alfre Woodard. Alfre Woodard. Starring Alfre Woodard. Alfred and Woodard. wasn't that executive produced by uh, Cicely Tyson? <laughs> Executively produced. How old is Cicely Tyson? 180. <laughs> She's eternal. Yeah, she's like a Highlander. There's only that's why there's only one. She killed off all the rest of the Sicily. She types. killed off like uh, Hattie McDaniel's and all of the other black women that were used. If you're familiar with the film The One, yeah, uh, where Jet Li travels to all of these alternate dimensions and he kills the alternate versions of himself so he can become the one, the strongest. I think Cecily Tyson did that a long time ago. <laughs> so she's just still around. Yeah, because she like 187 years old, man. She just and she ain't never like. Not looked old. <laughs> you ever noticed that? I did look up like old photos of her, and she maybe the youngest that I found was like forty. She looked maybe. 40. <laughs> so her yeah. and Morgan Freeman. Who else just looks old? Hmm. It's another guy out there that just like every time you see him, he just looks old. <laughs> like I've never seen a young Ving Rhames, even though he don't necessarily look old. He he like. Looks he, perpetually middle aged. I couldn't. I couldn't imagine when he was like. I can't visualize it in my mind. Like, man, what did he look like? Is he still? He was the same. He was bald. <laughs> Which brings me to an interesting question I ask everybody: What's a good age to become an immortal? Immortal? Yeah. Certainly not a child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's kind of like um, I, it's kind of like a double edged sword because I guess if you're a child immortal, if you're a child vampire or something like that. Um, you you would have no issue with luring victims, but you never get to become an actual adult physically. So right, it's just right. it's always going to be some weird shit that you're a 200 year old man and you look 12. Right. 
But you can't drink and you can't like you can. I mean, you you can in the hell after about but 150 years, you probably fuck it. I don't think vampires can drink anything anyway because they're vampires. They can't drink anything but, but blood. But just a regular immortal, not even a vampire, just a regular immortal. Oh, you're just immortal. Yeah. And you're like immortal. Some shit happens you to you and you become immortal. You you attained immortality at the age of like 12 or something. Yeah, that's fucked up. Okay. Cuz you can't like drink or like date or drive or do any cool shit and like more than likely you would have to be in some kind of physical relationship with a uh pedophile with with a grown ass woman who likes who who likes 12 year old boys yeah exactly and you could and they would be like in a which um, which as joe and i know is is quite normal in the in the ghetto in the uh birmingham school system <laughs> and bessemer school system that's that's well, quite it's, normal. It's, it's quite and, normal you know, in the hood too, because don't forget about uh, the uh, sixty, the twenty three year old men that date the thirteen year old girls. Society views that differently. That's the uh, viewed a little bit differently. No, dude, you don't remember the uh, the fine ass like thirteen year old girl in the hood and her drug dealer boyfriend would pull up and that motherfucker would be like nineteen, twenty. The, the first year that I was at Macadory, um, very first year. Um, I, I was the first girlfriend I ever had ever was this. Um, I'm not going to say her name, but anyway, I, I was like a kid. I was Rebecca like a, Chansfield. I was a true this kid. This was at Megador? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know you was. Uh, okay. This, I was like a child, okay? So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm a kid. I'm like doing stuff, normal human shit, like walking down the hall holding hands, like doing like normal, you know, young girlfriend boyfriend type of stuff and um i thought at least i thought that this was my girlfriend or whatever um i remember i walked to the front of the school where they like pick everybody up and there was a fucking 20 something year old dude who picked her up in a black truck (laughs) and that's why i found out that that really wasn't my fucking girlfriend that because her boyfriend was like a grown fucking man that was our girlfriend yeah yeah <laughs> and i literally looked at her and looked at him and i said and i looked at her and i said what the fuck <laughs> i said what the what the fuck and and he just he was like hi he was just like hi like goddamn okay like, yeah you can't I, you can't compete i was that. fucking scarred you I, I was like fucking that, scarred by that shit so I'm like I have a I I mean she was like a little bit older she was like 17 years old right but I'm like damn she's in high school you're in college you're like 23 what the fuck man like it's like shooting fucking crabs in a barrel or fish in a barrel or whatever the hell your shooting just, kids in a barrel your ass was just happy to be holding hands fucking and children and, in and a she barrel. was getting That's her asshole blown out yeah yeah <laughs> she was also gross and she's doing like sweet and kind like little shit like she's like into this shit and I think she from me she got the little cuddly bullshit. Right. And from this dude, she was getting the D. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You should So I hated that shit. I was like, God damn. You should have named your dick Sweetness and said, You want the sweetness? I got the sweetness. <laughs> so anyway, Joe, that. what's a good age do you think I I'll answer last. What's a good age uh do you think to become an immortal? Um I guess like maybe twenty two, twenty one. Yeah. Like the peak of your physical prime, like twenty four. Like I I guess Anywhere from 21 to 25. 21 to 25. I'm going to say anywhere between 25 and 40 okay. is a really good time to be an immortal. Because see, it, because right at 40, it's like you young enough to look like 
you know, you 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 like you look young enough that you can still get out and you ain't old yet. So it's like you uh you don't you 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 just jump straight over being an old ass man. You know what I'm saying? And then like I said, and you're young enough to still date hot women and you can drink and you can drive your car and you can like make money and you can like you can like have all these excuses for why you live your life and and still be like immortal and still have a good ass life. But if you like six and you become an immortal, it's kind of fucked. Up. I mean, the like 20s, 15 and you're an immortal. The 20s is the best 15 time. is probably OK. The 20s, that's the best time to do it. But you can't drink. and You can't drive. You can do all of that shit. I mean, it's a lot of fifteen-year-olds that are out there doing that shit, but still, like, I'd say you probably just would you would pretend like you're one of those kids who just, you know, well, not kids, but grown men, like Andy Milanakis. Like Andy Milanakis is like thirty-four or something, but he looks he could pass for like sixteen. He just he's just uh, he's a grown-ass man who looks very young. That's crazy. I had a buddy who was like that. Um, he he moved out of the state. He moved to Texas, but yeah, he was he was a grown man, <laughs> and you know he's like twenty eight, and he looked like he was thirteen, you know. But he was a grown man, and That's I remember rough. he came to my mom's house, and my mom was like, "What are you guys doing, hanging out with that young boy?" And I was like, "Mom, he's twenty eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> he's twenty eight years old." Yeah. Wow. He's twenty eight. That's crazy. But anyway, man, we got a real interesting show lined up, man. We're going to we we haven't really um dove into our hip hop bag in a minute. So we're going to dive into our hip hop bag, man. This is the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show. We'll be back in your mouth in a minute. This episode of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by Fashion on the Rock's Cruel Winter, taking place November 12th at the historic Boutwell Auditorium in downtown Birmingham. What it is, what it do, this your boy Lawrence G. That's Joey Burnham and that's Jonathan Crane. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. So what's on the agenda for today, fellas? Well, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to touch on the Vince Staples video with this Christian white mother. The North north mom the north north mom uh she talks about being appalled by the vince staples song we're going to talk about that we're going to tr- talk about this trump audio <laughs> well, he's talking about just grab them in the biscuits and uh yeah <laughs> just grab them in the biscuits <laughs> and and the meat and potatoes speaking of food and biscuits the meat and potatoes of this show is going to be a uh, nostalgic show we're going to talk about songs that pulled inspiration from the older generation. Songs like um, Today Was a Good Day and how that song borrowed from the Isley Brothers. So That's what's Let's up. talk about Vince Staples first. Yeah, let's go on to Vince Staples. Um, anybody want to set that off? I got my own opinion about that. Uh, um, will somebody break down the video and what happened? Okay. Uh, there is a, a, a internet video that went viral recently. Um that has a a young white mother who is struggling to raise five little girls. Uh, she was four. Is four four young girls? Um, she's watching an internet video, or, or or she's not watching an internet video, but she heard uh, a hip hop song on the radio. She claims, even though Lawrence G refuses to believe this, because and I understand it because it's like, man, when is when does this really happen? When do they ever play Vince Staples on Top 40 radio? Right. But she claims that her top, uh, her, her local radio station is playing this 
Vince Staples song, which has all of this gratuitous violence and and uh, even though it's bleeped out, even though the curse words are bleeped out, you can still tell what the people are saying. And she's becoming unbelievably upset about it. She's becoming visibly upset. She's crying. She's thinking about the children. What about the children? What about the babies? I'm not even driving this motherfucker. <laughs> Nothing. You know, and she's she's speaking. She starts reading through the lyrics. Literally, she's like, "I'm a, I'm a crip. I'm a crip nigger, and I don't really understand why this is happening in my neighborhood." And it's kind of like. To, she's reading through these lyrics and she's talking about um, how parents should take responsibility. That is a positive message. But um, a complete over fucking reaction. I, I agree 100 <laughs> percent. I first think that all, she's overreacting. First yes. of all, my brother, let's all talk about how hot this lady is. She's a very attractive lady. She's a very she, attractive she looks white cute. Woman. She's she looks, real cute. She's got four kids already. So. Bosom sitting up on the uh, television screen, very real, attractive, one. very nicely. Um, I, I, looking in the background, she has children of uh, mulatto persuasion. That's what it would appear to be. <laughs> um, I didn't get a good look, but that's what it would appear. Uh, to be. The child was um, uh, uh, nappy headed, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, hair was frizzy. What do you think her boyfriend or husband works? Um, Chrysler. Chrysler. <laughs> he got a grimy ass job. I think he worked at Chrysler. I think he was because uh, it looked like she was living in like a double wide trailer. Like double wide trailers had them beams across the ceiling. It's just something like if you ever lived in a trailer, you know. Yep. So, so I, me and Joe lived in a trailer, so we recognized the beams. Some of those things in. they're really nice, depending on like you go inside. Oh, I'm not shitting on a double wide trailer at all. I'm just saying it just looks so, like you know. But my theory is that come on, dude. When was the last time you ever heard a Vince Staples song on regular hip hop radio? Because that's what she was claiming. That's she what was she claiming was claiming that, that she heard this on her top forty station. Yeah, she said she was listening to one hundred four point seven or five whatever. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she was listening to a radio. She station. didn't say maybe, what town. She maybe was in the in. mix. In the mix, they they could play a lot of different. So they gonna things. mix. It so they gonna mix Megan Trainer and Vince Staples because she heard that. That's after a horrible Megan DJ. <laughs> okay, so let me paint this picture. So. So this white woman is in the car with her kids. She's listening to 104.5, 104.7, whatever the 104.5, the beat. She's listening Only to Only white that. people's music. And while she's in the car, the next song after Megan Trainer, whoever that is, the next song after a pop, that. Megan Trainer is a yeah. pop star. She okay. is a white pop star. So after Megan Trainer, the Vince Staples song comes North, on. North, North. And it's bleeped out because it's radio. And it's all vulgar and risque, and she is heartbroken that this type of music is being played in the earshot of children. Right. She goes home. She does a video blog or vlog about how she's distraught. She's reading the lyrics of Vince Staples' song as she's crying and expressing how she doesn't like this for the youth of America. And I and to be real with you, this may shock some people. I agree with everything she said. Um. I got some stuff I disagree with. I think she missed the point of it being satire. Right. Which I can I can understand that. And I also think she missed the point of his hook, which was basically saying, well, how does the hook go, Lawrence? I ain't Jean? never ran from nothing but the police. Yeah. I think she took that wrong. She took it as I'm a miscreant 
that likes to run away from police and just piss off the police. Right. And I start a whole lot of shit. That's yeah. how she took it. I don't run opinion. away from the police. I don't run away from niggas. I just run away from the police. But what he meant by that was the police are scary as hell because they've been killing niggas for years and years and years. So I run away from the cops because I don't want to be shot like the rest of these young black men. That's what that meant. Right. So she didn't understand what the song meant. With that being said, I totally agree with her because a little kid listening to it ain't going to understand the satire in it. So if he's an idiot... And I would hope that parent. Yeah, well, I, 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 I would hope idiot. that parent. I would hope that the parent isn't an idiot and the child isn't an idiot. Number one, if we're talking about a child, I'm going to say teenager. Um, my daughter is 14 years old. I have sat down with my daughter and listened to NWA and explained what they were talking about. If you're not doing that with your child, then you're an idiot and you're creating another little idiot who's going to give birth to another little idiot and then there'll be nothing but idiots at the family reunion but let me play devil's we advocate. live in idiocracy uh so yeah yeah like that's that movie is becoming real i like that movie by the way idiocracy yeah scarface was in that movie he did a good job yes he was so. terry cruz is in that movie too yes as the president as the president <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that but i'm gonna play devil's advocate to what you say because i understand what you're saying you're saying as a parent it is res- it it's it's a parent's responsibility to filter and prepare their children for the world around them. Right. And don't let the radio or rappers or athletes or media control and raise your kids. You have to do that. Right. Great point. But you said your daughter was 14. Yep. She can understand that now. Yeah. The woman in that video, her kids, or I saw one of her, I don't know the age of, of all her kids, but the kid I saw in the background with the frizzy hair was crawling. Right. Maybe look to be maybe I'd say I want to say four, but I'll give her five. So and to be real with you, a four year old probably ain't really listening to the lyrics to any song. With that being said, her point is this vulgar stuff can leave a lasting impression on young children that don't know any better. And I absolutely agree with her saying that she missed the point of the hook, but her overall sentiment of. Let's protect these kids from listening to this crazy shit. As hip hop as I am, as vulgar as I am, I agree with what she's well, saying. I like you, that particular song, though, by the way. You you know what I always hated when I was a kid? What was that? More than anything, when I was 11, 12, 13 years old, or even younger than that, I hated that I liked wrestling. I watched I watched the Attitude Era. And every, like, across, like, the uh, the country, there'd be a story about some crazy fucker of a kid picking up some little girl and slamming a little girl or doing some crazy shit off the like top of his bed and cracking the neck of someone. Or um, I remember there was a kid who watched Beavis and Butthead and he lit himself on fire or his house on fire. So they literally took Beavis and Butthead and they put Beavis and Butthead on a very, very late slot. It was like 11 o'clock. 11 it went from being in the right. evening. 11, 12 o'clock. Right. And you remember it used to come on during like the 3 day. Like 315, yeah. And then they said, well, okay, we're sorry, guys. You're right. You know what? It is our responsibility. And um, and they took they took it off. And so as a kid, when I was like 10, 11 years old, I'm like, man, there's some really dumb kids out there. Right, right. See, they're always going to be highly idiotic people, no matter what. That's never going to change. That will never That will never stop. The only thing that can really... I mean, because if you're ever wondering, like, okay, um, you know, people receive information at a light speed level now and it's so much, you know, Internet, television. The only thing that can change is the way that 
that you raise your children and the way that you monitor and intake everything. They have parent blocks. They have parental blocks. They have so many different ways to um, to monitor, to help you monitor what your children take in. Right. And that's the only thing that you can really do. She's making a, a decent point in saying that, OK, it's important. It's important. And her, I could see her passion. I don't agree with the way that she was going about it. Right. Right. She has an 11 year old daughter just taking things away from her daughter and just saying, I won't show you this. I won't ever show you this. You won't ever see this. That won't help. That won't help. Shit. Exactly. You need to almost introduce your child to this and teach your child to deal with what they're going to deal with at their because they're going to go to their friend's house. When they go to their friend's house, they're going to listen to the song. They're going to watch the show. They're going to do all that type of stuff. The only thing that's, that's going to protect them. That's why you have them, friends to do the shit you can't oh, do yeah, at home. Oh, yeah, man. I could tell you, I, like, my my I, my parents didn't own one porno magazine. But I went to my friend's house, and he had a trunk of porn. <laughs> so, but, hey, you know what? My mom, my mom did tell me when I was a kid that, hey, women are not objects. All these types of things, like right, they're decent right, human right. beings, and I just understood that these were just pictures. These are just pictures. This is just what. So I, I it's not like I left watching that, and I was just like, eh, women are all objects of my personal pleasure. Like, no, I, <laughs> I'm I understood it. Now. The conversation that you have with your child will protect them and create like a protective shield of intelligence. And help that child. You like, hope. You, you hope. won't. You hope. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta uh, prepare for the world. This is true. Exactly. So she's she's right about. I wouldn't know anything about that, but <laughs> you know, I ain't got no kids. It's not like she's wrong in saying in saying that you have to protect your child, but leaving it up to just first of all, they're not gonna remove it. They're not gonna. They're gonna play the song that people want to hear, and apparently, there they played a Vince Staples song. I don't know where they play Vince Staples at. That's per- L- that, that, lady. That's what's perplexing Lawrence. Lady, G. you're full of caca. He ain't never heard Vince Staples on the radio. Because I ain't in our area. never. And that song heard isn't Vince really Staples like the, that much of a on radio a pop show. station. And that particular song is not. It might get. It might be playing on West Coast radio. It might have been because it came out like last year. It's off the uh, Summer '16 album. Well, uh, if I think that's the name of the album, um, it might be in the mix on California radio because he's from Long Beach, California. West Coast um, DJs and artists kind of tend to like if you go to the West Coast, they pretty much just play West Coast music. Um, so it, it, unless she lives in California, she had a bit of a Southern accent. But, though, she, didn't she? but to me, yeah. she had a big a bit of a Southern accent. Um, the like I said, the other issue is. Vince Staples behind Megan Trainer, and then when she read the lyrics, it, it, I could tell that she was just completely clued because she didn't even know what she was reading. She was just saying words like the only she would just go for all the buzzwords: nigga, she, yeah, she abortion, was like nigga, abortion, crip, gun, police. That was all she was looking for. Well, That's all she needed. And on top of that, since she's going to be such a good mother, you got this baby in the background and you reading these damn lyrics with your baby in the background. Singing in the background. Yeah, that now that that did stand out to me. I was looking like, for real? Are you serious? But you got an issue with what they heard on the radio? But you're going to say the but same you, shit. But you saying this for views on YouTube with your baby in the background? Come on. Let's be for real, man. So do you agree or disagree with 
what she's saying. I, as a parent, I, I agree totally with what she said. I agree with the fact that you do have to shelter your kids. I agree with that you can't give your children too much too soon. I agree with the fact that you need to make sure your kids don't see certain stuff before it's time. Because you can you can you can expose them to too much before their little mind can even wrap around what the concept that this is. Mm-hmm. I get that, especially with music, um, especially today with how overly sexualized music is and how violent music is and the drug use and and all that kind of stuff. I get it. If she has little kids, I think she said her daughter was eleven. Yeah. Yes. You should keep your 11-year-old kid from that. You were doing the right thing by having your child listen to a pop station. Especially young girls. Yeah. I think that that's even an even higher responsibility, uh, raising young girls. You know, just like with my little sister, like there was more care. We had to take more care with certain things, at right, least right. from what I recognized. So I, I do definitely respect that side of it. But... Um, there, there's always trolling. there's always going to be some if she was trolling she was an excellent troll but there's always going to be some sort of threat it's it's how you respond to the threat and and society's not just going to bend to your whim because your child can't adjust either your child will adjust or your child will just be you know you the, your you can't shelter be, your kid forever and, and different can't. children respond to things different not every child will i didn't want to hurt myself i will like I watched Beavis and Butthead. I never once thought I need to burn myself. Yeah, you know, let me see how that feels. Yeah, I, I didn't want to. I'm do going it. Of course, to he didn't want to drown himself. myself. He's just playing with fire. <laughs> As kids, we did dumb things. You know what I mean? You you do idiotic things. Yeah, you play with matches and yeah, crazy shit, stupid shit. Like but I don't that. know if I can blame that on Beavis and Butthead. No, it's more just... of like now this is this comes on at eleven o'clock. I, I focus on your children. Focus on your children because there's always going to be a threat. And and she needs to learn how to analyze music. She's incapable of doing that. I can kind of tell. I'm not even going to go into, you know, that whole thing because that's a completely different conversation. But yeah. so speaking of see, um, audio, see, here's, here's my thing, because I'm on the other side of the fence. I understand what y'all are saying. But my whole thing is. In the context in which she is speaking, because she ain't talking about a 14 year old. She ain't talking about. Nothing else. She's talking about her young kids listening to a song that has vulgarity in it. Does the song have a deeper meaning? Maybe, maybe not. But those kids don't know that. Uh, Is the song satire? Those kids don't know that. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Did that song play on the radio? Fuck no. <laughs> she, she said it did. So you, I don't. That's you know, not. But that's not. The I'm waiting for the bottom to fall out. That's the not the radio's end. responsibility and to do that. No, not that, at all. That it's is not. a the radio. The only radio. The only responsibility radio has is to not get dinged by the FCC. Mm-hmm. So they took out all the cussing. That was their job. And people can find almost anything offensive. What I may think is okay may be completely offensive to someone else. Maybe something completely offensive to someone else. So where do you draw the line with deciding what is or isn't obscenity? 
That's when you kind of when you start censoring things. What she's kind of we we have to watch this something that she may be okay with the Megan Trainer song, but guess what? There are a lot of people who probably would never list, let their kids listen to Megan Trainer. Let's, let's dig deeper into that. Yeah. Let me dig deeper into that concept. She's a Christian. She she says she's a Christian. She listens to Toby Mac uh, and the Newsboys, and that's all I she listen to. Backstreet Boys and In Sync when I was growing up. Now she says she was a Christian. If we people could take offense to that, there are a lot of people in this world who are not Christians. And and they can, and don't want you deciding how they should live exactly who what their kids should listen to exactly and you you so are you exactly guys my cause, point because I I kind of I kind of don't get y'all point like what's the problem with her saying this song is too vulgar for kids to listen to there is no there is there is no, absolutely no okay problem. there's no, no problem, problem with that, that. the issue no the problem issue with, what's the issue you guys have the issue to me I feel like you should. As a parent, it's up to you to do that. So instead of we need to do this and we need to do that, but that's what you she, need to do. That. That's what she says she'll do, though. Yeah, is it, is it get her your fault? ass off YouTube <laughs> and stop lying about hearing a damn Vince Staples song? I don't, know. I don't know that. She lied. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. She lied. In I don't care video, if I meet this lady tomorrow. You lied. In, in Ain't no video. way in the remember, hell said, they playing remember, Vince. Staples. I said that. They children children should be that. protected. I'm not I don't have issue with that. I don't have issue with that. And I know you guys saying. don't have an issue with that. I think you guys have an issue. I really don't know what you guys I got an issue with the her and the bullshit. What's That's the bullshit? what I got. The bullshit is that they she she said a radio station played Vince Staples after Megan Trainer. That's bullshit. She said she I, lied. I don't know about that. Okay, so let's say it is true. <laughs> she lied. Let's say that that is true. She's complaining about this and she's she's can't believe that they will play this. So she's it's she's accepted the fact that this is what's being played. Okay, this is what's being played. When I was a kid, they played Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, even though in some cultures that type of music that would also be considered evil and those people Either they don't let their children listen to music. They've decided they made their choice for their household. Okay, that's what it is. So she needs to make that same decision for her household. I guess she's doing the internet video to kind of warn other people who are like her, who are yeah, like minded, the video was about. who who are doing. Rel- it's a call to arms. So she's doing what she feels is the responsible it's, thing. It's also it's also bullshit. Public. She she released it. It's public. She didn't just do it and just call a friend and say it. It's public. So you know people are gonna have an opinion of it. Yeah. So. My opinion is that you misunderstood a song, just like you said. She misunderstood the song, and I could go deeper into her to her shit. Like there are a lot of things she's probably okay with that you know. If she it, cry over Vince Staples, her culture is a little bit different. How her sheltered cult- is this bra? Let's just how sheltered is she? Where does she live? And she looked like like I said, she looks like she has a little mulatto baby. So how sheltered is does maybe her, you could does her Negro husband let her out of the house? <laughs> Does her does her does her Mandingo she's husband becoming, let her out of the she's house? Becoming Did she get out the trailer park? Stir crazy. She's becoming stir crazy. She's well, doing these damn this. videos. I hate to cut you off, but go ahead. If she's a sheltered woman, then I would want my wife to hear a song like that and for it to raise an alarm in her head. If my kids are with her, she can listen to a solo without the kids all day if she wants to. If she doesn't, fuck and it. my wife would do that. So, as a matter of fact, I can't even listen to certain crap with my wife and kids in the car. So I, I can listen to it with my wife, but I can't listen to it with both of them up, in the car. Except for her not understanding the hook. I think 
like I said, she doesn't understand the fact that the hook is about what's happening to black men and how this shit is perpetrated and, and put upon us by the fucking police. I don't think she understands that meaning in the hook. She's taking the hook for some hooligan shit. Other than that, I agree with everything she said. I think she needs good, to sit good the luck. hell down with them damn lies. Good <laughs> luck on trying to raise a child by just saying that you can't ever watch anything and I'm just going to lock you in a room and, hey, you just can't listen to this. Her husband good luck did with it. that. Her husband did it. Her husband locked her every morning. He gets up. He he has to be the work at five. So she gets up at four and she makes his eggs Sometimes over you have easy. Have, you got to have an wait uncomfortable she conversation. Makes his, she makes his eggs over Speaking easy. Speaking of uncomfortable conversations. And um, wait a minute. And then, you know, he lets her out the house and he locks the door behind it and tells her, if you come out, I'll kill you. So therefore, she's only in the house watching uh, uh, TBN and Sesame Street for the children. Anyway, the uncomfortable conversation. I wanted to talk about the Trump audio and that uncomfortable conversation he had with Billy Bush on the Access uh, bus. The what's the name? Of the I show? think that was the, uh, the American Tour bus, but that was Billy Bush from uh, that wasn't Access the Access uh, Granite, okay. Access Granite, or Access Hollywood. Think, yeah, or I something. think it's Access Hollywood. I don't know if he's still with Access Hollywood because yeah, so Billy I mean, Bush, it was the video was from like what ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. set it up for us. And uh, basically, the video was from. 10 years ago it's um audio that he had from a hot microphone um basically he had a lapel mic on and a lot of times what they do is to make editing easier they just leave the microphone on and anything that's before the actual event they just cut it out well obviously somebody was like hey i got this bullcrap on trump i don't like him i'm just gonna keep it and put it out so they dug it up, found it, put it out, and he's talking about groping women. And uh, really, honestly, and truthfully, Lord knows, I never thought I'd be in a in a position where I would defend Donald Trump. <laughs> but <laughs> honestly and truthfully, that is a conversation that every man has had with his boys everywhere. Every yeah, that's what I men do. When they pretty ha- much, I don't. It, it, I mean, the only reason that people are reacting this way is because they don't like Donald Trump, and this is just one thing to try to stop him. It's and, and really ast- not that big of a deal. And the astonishing thing is, there, there are every, oh my gosh, like there are so many things that they could actually use that that actually have a stronger backbone than this. This is kind of just some silly stuff. Well, they I, I will say this. I think that and it's true. It's not like they're just building something that's false. I mean, he, he's pretty much a misogynist, man. I mean, it's everybody knows that brother. He's Every, a rich. He's a rich white guy. Yeah, who's yeah. used to getting everything he wants. And that also includes any woman that he wants, which is fine, which is completely OK. I don't have an issue with that. But um, when when you're running for when you're running for president when you're you're campaigning to be the leader of the free world people just have a, a certain expectation whether it's true or untrue do i have an issue with this not not really not like i said all i have an issue yeah. shit there's said. like shit that people should focus on people should focus on the, the the racist shit that he's saying and the shit that he's saying about the wall and all of this craziness people need to funny? look into that isn't that funny we're going to build a wall to make the Mexicans pay for it. Yay. Uh, stop and frisk. Oh, I think black people need law and order. By the way, Yay. Just, I don't want to get too political, <laughs> but just on a side note real quick. Uh, the new Vikings, the new uh, Viking stadium. I mm-hmm. think that's like 
billions of dollars, billions of dollars to build this stationary structure. Okay. Right. Billions. The Cowboys practice facility, like twenty three billion dollars. It's some crazy number. If not twenty three billion, it's it's like it's up there. Right. For these are like football stadiums, practice facilities, a wall that stretches across a country (laughs) would be trillions, maybe like quintillion. The, the amount of money that you have to spend on this is insane. Right. And Mexico isn't exactly a wealthy yeah. country. Gonna, I mean, what are they going to do? Are we going to just buy all the drugs from the cartel to make it happen or what? I mean, so anyone with just sound logic could just say, that's bullshit. <laughs> that, Mr. Trump, I'm sorry. I've been a, your supporter for the last six to eight months, but it's, that's bullshit, man. I mean, come <laughs> on. That's impossible, sir. Yeah, but you know, I, I hey. Tell you what. But yeah, like I, like I, I said, said, I try not to get too political. But like, but, I, like but I was this trying to shit say, is bull, that, that story. Mexicans deport all the Mexicans. Yay. Build a wall. Yay. Don't trust black people. Yay. Grab her by the pussy. <gasps> <laughs> well, I'm not a, a Trump supporter, but with statements like that, I like him a little more. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. When I heard them, I was like, "Damn, Trump a real nigga." This is a cool ass guy. I wouldn't <laughs> say that. Nigga. He's a real nigga. <laughs> I wouldn't say all that shit. He's about a that real motherfucker. That's what he is. He's a real. He, but but dude, it wasn't. Said, it wasn't that damn He's harsh. buying furniture. What, what about him buying furniture? He's. He, I bought a furniture. I bought her all of these things. I bought a furniture. I was trained to buy her some furniture and. And uh, you know, she, and, and, uh, I, she was married. I was trying to. I get never. Her. I heard of people buying like jewelry. That nigga said he took this shit. bitch to buy a damn. Well, I mean, once you buy furniture, buy a house, something to make a house look. The whole fucking house was gonna be furnished. Well, once you buy furniture, you somebody got to give up some pussy. He's a grabber buy buyer pussy. If, if, if I buy a couch or a yeah, he was, seat, he's I'm bragging fucking. about being a celebrity and about when he becomes when you when you're a celebrity, you just get away with it. You just right, get, right, which exactly. is which sounds great. Which would be pretty much every dude's fantasy, right? But it wasn't just him, too. Whoever else was in the... Uh, yeah, Billy, Billy Bush. Yeah. They were both talking. It was a converse. It was a dude's conversation. But Billy, he said the least, though. He really didn't he say... He said the least, but he participated in the conversation. Mm-hmm. They both talked and if you pay about attention, when the girl's they got legs out, and everything. He talked about how, you know, he was going to... He's like, I, I got to use... I got to get some certs. I got to, you know, because I'm going to steal a kiss. And so Billy was the one who actually introduced. He's like, "Hey, you know, you're gonna give Mr. Trump a." He kind of like, yeah, I, I noticed that. He shepherded when they him got into off the it. bus after having that great conversation. I might add, because that's yes. your homeboy that get you in the bullshit. That nigga Billy Bush is like, "Hey, Trump, let me introduce you to so and so. Why don't you give him a hug? Lady? Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna hug Trump. But, uh, right. This is coming right off the little conversation. Yeah, had. exactly. Grab her by the pussy. Buy you some furniture. Like, he facilitated. You know, like a he tried to facilitate. Y'all guys, Trump. He's the point are so much guard. better than mine. He's the point guard. <laughs> he got the best one though. Nah, nah, it's okay. It's alright. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's, that's pretty cool. It's that's not that cool. big of a damn deal to me. All of the other shit is egregious. It's absolutely horrible. Out of everything this man has said over the last eight years. Of trying to be president of the United States. We could go down a list. That y'all mean to tell me this is the worst he's done? Y'all are mad about this finally pissed y'all off? But I, the biggest thing, the only thing I could take from this is, like I said, they're building this whole, everything that he said about about women, they have used that as a consistent thing. That he's, this is, this guy could be the leader of the free world and he doesn't respect women, it seems, at all. At least what they're painting. Whatever. Um that's that's so i think that goes into that um yeah it kind of goes into that that whole box
Yo, what's up, Lawrence G? What it is, man? Yeah, man, we have this Fashion on the Rocks 3 entitled Cruel Winter. Yeah. And I think it'll be a good opportunity for businesses to promote. Yeah, man, and if they want to promote, they can hit Fashion on the Rocks up at Fashion on the Rocks Birmingham at gmail.com. And you can also call their phone number at 205-427-9058. 205-427-9058. Fashion on the Rocks. Fashion show meets evolution. Fashion on the Rocks 3. So, yeah, man, uh, let's get into the meat of this conversation. The meat man. and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. Um, So, I was thinking about this really the last last two weeks. Listening to the radio and thinking, I, I listened to Biggie, One More Chance. Then I heard the Chris Brown song, um, She Ain't You. Right. Yeah. And I heard Nas, Life's a Bitch. That's the one with the Michael Jackson in it, right? No, no. Um, um, damn, what's the name of the song? It Ain't Hard to Tell? Yeah, I think it's... Whose world my is mic this? is contracting. I mean, my mic is contacting. But I digress. My point is this: I'm listening to the radio, and I'm hearing. We're scatterbrain fuckers. Don't punish us, please. We love this music. We love this music, but we get scatterbrained. Fuck so you. my scatterbrained ass is listening to the fucking radio and listening to all this music in the car to and from work, and then yeah. it hit me that this music that I'm listening to was influenced. From the past, and they got it from the past, right. like the Biggie Small song I was talking about. One more chance. That's El Debar. Stay with me. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ice Cube. That's the Osley Brothers. Uh, the Ice Cube song today was a good day. That's um, what's the footsteps name of that in the song? Dark. Step, step foot, footsteps in the dark. So I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about the 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 act of remaking those songs. The the influence that they must have had to even do that in the first place, and we can just go from there, man. I mean, I love it. I'll just start it off I by mean, saying I love about, when they do that with songs. We're talking about a generation of rappers that were born in the late '60s and grew up during the '70s. Yep. So it's the soundtrack of their lives. Of their life. So they were paying. I mean, I mean, really, it was just like some cool shit to do. More than just even paying homage, it was just like, oh, man, I'm going to take this Parliament sample and I'm going to flip it. You know what I'm saying? One of the famous stories that uh, Snoop Dogg always tells is how he was listening to, um, uh, how did that song go? Watching ladies go by watching you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he turned that into What's My Name. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because he was just listening. He grew up on funk. Dr. Dre grew up on Parliament. It was a part of their daily lives, so it was a, it was some cool shit to do to take this song. I mean, it's it's hip hop. It's and revisited. And re, it's hip hop. Hip hop has always took the break beat, and either danced over it, or kept the party going over it, or rapped over it. All they did was find the break in the beat, loop it, and rap over it because that was the fly shit to do, man. What's your favorite song in that category? Um. Man, I, I'm gonna have to say human nature. Human nature. Human nature. And who has, redid it? Every um, day. Not, yeah. So and many who people. Who redid it the best thing? Mm, man. Was there uh, was it's there, hard. I, I probably a, a tie between SWV and Nas. Okay. For me. It's okay. probably a tie between SWV and Nas. Because that SWV song, it's his own classic. It became his own classic. Because whenever I hear LL that song. Cool J. 
That was good. I'm gonna. I, that's a, with uh, LL Cool J and with Boys to Men. That was a that word. was a heat rock too. He word. took that beat too. LL Cool J and Boys to Men. I remember the Hey Lover song that, that LL Cool J. Hey Lover. Hey, wasn't that Human Nature? No, 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 uh-uh. I, no. That was uh, that was another Michael Jackson. Yeah, song. that was another Michael Jackson song. Uh, Ben. Or was it? A, it wasn't ben. No, 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 no not Ben. ben. That was Lady. You'll always be the lady in my life. You'll always be the lady in my life. That's that's the type of shit I'm talking about. That's the type of shit. That shit cold as a motherfucker. Yeah. Man, that shit go um, hard, man. I'm a I'm a tell mine. Then I'm a shoot as Lawrence G. But and and not that this is a ranking episode. But I'm gonna do a quick little ranking. I'm gonna do three. My number one favorite song revisited would be. When Ice Cube revisited the Isley Brothers' Footsteps in the Dark, Today Was a Good Day by Ice Cube. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number two would be when Warren G. revisited Michael McDonald's. <laughs> that uh, is classic. I keep forgetting. <laughs> and the song I'm talking about <laughs> is Warren G. Regulators. And the third one would be Common, The Light. I yes. just recently found out that common the light basically is Bobby Caldwell's "Open Your Eyes." Right, right, right. That's right. an amazing. Which song. and that song is is really that, amazing. We song, were listening to that song. song. <laughs> we were listening to that song earlier, and it's it's really and great. You can see why they was. I'm like, gonna go I back and this. Yeah, yeah, like it's easy. What about you? I, I gotta go with uh, I gotta go with uh, uh, Warren G and Nate Dog. I you, got you don't to. put um Ice Cube above that. Uh, it's like two. It's like right up. I feel you though. Yeah, it's two. But that Warren G and Nate dog, that that regulators. Oh my! That I, may be that. That is one of the greatest rap songs of all I time. I think that's yeah. one of the greatest uh, samples, samples. Flips. I mean, but there was I, I always mean, there was always a part of that song that you and I would always make fun of. That out of all of the different situations, just just a quick side note. That was one of the first times I ever heard a rapper talk about getting robbed. Yeah. In a song, and he's the victim because usually you're like in a song, you're like you try to really make yourself look like you're <laughs> undefeatable. The whole premise right, of exactly. the song, and I remember going to see Above the Rim, me, you, Jeffrey, and Jenny, our auntie and cousin uh, named Jenny, and our shout cousin. out cousin Jeffrey. Shout out, shout out to cousin Jeffrey in Detroit. We go see Above the Rim. Tupac was in it. R.I.P. Real nigga. And they play that song at the end, rolling the credits because that song was on the soundtrack. And if you remember, Aunt Jenny hated it. I love we love the movie right. and that soundtrack above the rim that's like one of the best rap soundtracks. No, I didn't like the movie. One of, one of she my hated favorite. Regulators because she knew they sampled she knew that Michael, Michael yeah. McDowell and she hated that song. So she, she just hated just rip that man off. Um, <laughs> and I didn't think about it then because I was a child coming out the movie theater. I just loved the song and I still love the song. But my point is this: when I really dissected the lyrics of that song and figured out that Warren G is getting his ass fucked up. <laughs> And Nate Dogg is having a hell of a time. <laughs> I'm like, it's one nigga on the other side having bitches and hoes and Warren G. They took my rings. They, they took, took my, my Rolex. Rolex. I looked at the brother said, damn, what's next? Your life. We're going to take life. your fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this episode um, of the Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by BadMagics.com. BadMagics.com. More than just an online journal or clothing line, BadMagics.com is a lifestyle brand. Dedicated to keeping you fresh from art to the music to the gear. Badmagics.com. Shout out to the magic man. Badmagics.com. Defenders of the true school. Jonathan, you touched on what the songs did for you in terms of 
it made you research the song and it kind of yeah. taught you. Yeah, so there were a lot of there were a lot of these songs. A lot, you know. I remember um, maybe, gosh, man, late '90s is when this really came to a head with with Puff Daddy at the time, who what, 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 who what drove sample prices sky high because most people just sampled. I mean, well, first yeah. of all, when you talk about sampling, you talk about samplers, but you could only get like. 12 seconds of a song and that was being generous because there were samplers where you could only get like one second and you had to figure out what to do with that once we got past the point of 12 seconds diddy just said give me the whole beat y'all talking about the uh the biggie dedication song um we one more chance but Sting, uh, um more money more problems uh yeah, he did i forgot a about lot more money, more problems. he I took a that lot was started in the ross um juicy um, he mow, took mow, he mow, took mow, a lot of mow, whole mow. records and just was like, chance, I get Biggie, that. that stayed with me by right. Bars, I already said that. And if you know anything so, about uh, uh, Puffy's business business practices, he's cheap. Yeah. So how he got them samples is beyond me. He did. He probably just did some grimy shit. But right. the overall point that I'm making is that there was a lot of controversy because of him. Really, he was the guy who spearheaded the controversy. Is this art? Is this um, just ripping someone off? Uh, Vanilla Ice famously, everybody knows he got he he, he got uh you know I think it was Under Pressure by David Bowie was right. was that song uh, that he that he took uh, to to make you know one of the biggest hits ever whether you like it or not it was one of the biggest hits ever stop and they would go get late and listen <laughs> Ice is back on a brand new edition <laughs> but it's like uh, the the point. And about I'm learning, to, the songs yeah, taught yeah. you. Yeah, the songs taught me. That's what I thought. The controversy was: this isn't really art. This isn't really, you know what I mean? It, it, it's not really artistic. But if you're stealing from someone, how is it artful? Ice Cube stealing from the Isley Brothers. But without, well, actually without that sampling, it. my point is that without that sampling, I didn't. I wouldn't have learned about a lot of the music. A lot of it I already knew because I I grew up listening to a lot of the music. From my um, mom and grandmother playing music, and you know she liked Anita Baker. That's another, you know, there was some great Anita ba- Baker samples. Yeah, um, MF Doom had one of my favorites, like recently, um, maybe ac- actually a couple of years. Uh, Tribe Called Quest had a good Anita Baker sample. Mm-hmm. Anita Baker is just probably ma- really my favorite female soul singer of all time, really because of my mom. <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, man. I don't know. Without a lot of these songs, I wouldn't have heard, uh, you know, these Sting songs and Michael McDonald, all these things. I, I kind of picked them up from the songs that that they were using, you know. And to piggyback off of what you were saying, actually, this, the sampling issue started back in the late 80s when James everybody Brown. was sampling James Brown. Like, dude, everybody was sampling James Brown and James Brown had no idea. And they was like. And James was like, you know, you're being sampled, right? And he was like, what? And so that was the conversation. And to piggyback on Jonathan Crane's point, um, yeah, it's an amazing thing because you listen to the songs, Vanilla Ice, Biggie, uh, 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 One More Chance, Tupac, Barry Me G. That was another song. That was another Isley Brothers. Tupac took that from the from the Isley Brothers. Um, Wow, 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 wow. That's the I I forgot the name of the Isley Brothers song. But anyway, these songs when you listen to them, you don't know shit about them. 
Right. Not what they got their background from. And it makes you want to dig deep and say, okay, let me learn about Ronald Isley if Tupac was so inclined to make an entire song based on that classic song. Right. Let me learn about Morris Day and the Time if Tupac was so inclined to make a song like, if you really want to fuck with me, I really, baby, let me give you a call. How long will it take to, to break, break you up? So that makes you want to listen. It's like a you're given a history lesson. You're taking on like a journey into another time. And you get to know more about the artists because it's like, okay, these are the artists that contributed to Biggie, to Tupac, to Ice Cube, to MF Doom. Um, and, and to me, that's the positive side. That's the positive side of it. So you, the artists may be mad or not that they sampled their music, but it's, it's flattery. It's really flattering. It's saying, hey, I love people what you should did. get paid. Robin Thicke kind of fucked up with not really giving people the credit that they should. Yeah, with the Marvin Gaye. Yeah, yeah Marvin, Marvin with Gaye. Marvin Gaye. Blurred lines. Yeah, blurred lines, man. He, uh, you got you to gotta really do what you're supposed to do. I'm not just saying rip off an artist by not paying. Pay them the money um like they're supposed to pay and some artists have kind of been a little bit weird with hip-hop artists they kind of they get a get a little grimy and it's kind of disappointing it's like man they want too much for a sample or they just won't let you have the sample at all this this to me it keeps your music alive it really is like it it, now your song and what you did originally it it breathes new life into it exactly now what i was finna say is the two albums that gave me the biggest history lesson from from music, comedy, television, and everything else was Public Enemy and NWA. Okay. Because Public Enemy, the product, the Bomb Squad produced in such a way where they layered samples on top. of They might take the drums from James Brown. They might take the horns from uh, 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 Miles Davis. They might, and they they layered so many samples and made. That's art. That is complete art. I would have to say that. The Bomb Squad, that whole production team, is probably one of the greatest production groups in the history it of is. hip-hop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they took soul music and made it sound like rock and roll. And they would it, they took so many different elements. And when you listen to it, you it, when you when you dissect it and you break it apart, there's so much history in that music. It's so many people you've never even heard of. And And that's I, that's what I always loved about hip hop, man, because it could be anything. It could really be anything. It could be you could make hip hop basically from any type of music, any type of genre. Um, it, it's really an art form that can go in so many different directions. And it introduces you to so many things that you never thought that you would listen to. So the negative side is that people weren't given credit for for their art. But that's really the music industry is yeah, more some, responsible. Yeah, for that. Some samples weren't cleared. And some hip hop artists stole and didn't pay the original artist. And some did. So it's not all, but it's some. Well, and then you have to I'm also enjoying think it about stolen or not. I'm yeah, enjoying yeah, it, all it. It what? still sounds beautiful. Ahmad Jones, um back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But and everybody sitting yeah. was a kid again. That's Bobby Womack, right? Uh yeah, that's Bobby Womack. Don't, oh, don't, oh, don't, oh, 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 oh. 
Don't yeah, I that's um, um. I think I better let it go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looks like another. No, no that's that's um. Am I fucking up? No, no, that's I'm not just, Bobby Womack. Gonna say the trick asshole thing. <laughs> that's you, um uh TKO love TKO. That's Teddy Pendergrass. Harold Melvin in the Blue Notes, I believe. Yeah, Harold Melvin. That's Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah, Teddy Pendergrass when when he before he went solo. Down, down. But um. Don't yeah, we get scattered brain, man. We we love it, but we we definitely forget the name of it sometimes. But it's in our heart and soul. Fuck you guys if you get offended. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, Teddy Pendergrass, <laughs> love TKO. Eventually became back in the days when I was young and karate shoes. <laughs> so by the way, he made that song when he was seventeen. That so we were like seventeen years works. old, man. That song still works. It, that song that's, still works. That song does not get old. And Ahmad actually went to college at Stanford recently, right? I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I think he got a scholarship through some program to go to Stanford, and I think he was studying to become like a doctor or something. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, look into that. Wow. That's what's up. And everybody... That song is, that, that song is awesome. It's man. a classic. That song is classic. The original man. and his version. And that's and that's basically my point. We hey love hip hop. Yeah, we do What's love hip hop. Hey man, uh, you know who who used a lot of funk samples and worked with a lot of and worked every, with a lot of every West, every West Coast uh, every but especially Snoop Dogg man. Can we can we talk about Snoop Dogg's career for yes, just a second, man? Um, say what you want to say about Snoop Dogg. Let's just all come into agreement and say right now. That Snoop Dogg is hip hop's most successful sellout. <laughs> he is there our most are... beloved and successful sellout. I see what and you're I'm fine, saying, and, I, and I'm fine with that. I think Snoop Dogg's first album is an absolute classic. Yes, I think Snoop Dogg has become a pop icon, and that's probably what you mean in right. terms of selling out. You kind of got to sell out to become a pop icon coming from that gangster background he came from. Um, he's just a, an anomaly, man. But I, like, I love him. I love everything he's about He's a crip. Him. That's my nigga. He's a crip and people love him. Crip. He's a pimp and people love him. He's a weed head and people love him. He's a gangster and everybody loves him. He has not. The only thing Snoop has changed is his music. He has not changed anything and i and when you go back and you look at the um resurrection documentary when he went to jamaica to become a roster and all that kind of stuff you kind of looking back at his music you kind of understand why he took that path that he took you kind of see it all come together right there in that moment because of the murder trial because of the east coast west coast beef you got to realize snoop dogg was in a lot of shit and and carrying all that shit was probably real heavy, and you especially when you come out of murder trial and you and you get off. I probably would change my perspective on some things too, and I probably would try to be a little bit more because that was the moment when he was like, "Man, I just want to have fun, smoke my weed, have a good time. I'm getting paid, making his music. I need to let some of this shit go." I think it it was one of the reasons why he went to No Limit, so which just didn't fit. I remember when that was happening. And it I just thought so to myself, odd. like, man, this does not fit at all. Like that first CD, it was only his third CD, right? Um, he had yeah, it was the game is to be sold, game is to be sold, not told. 
No yeah. Limits, Top Dog, and then uh, The Last Meal. Those yeah. were his three. But I'm albums saying on on like away like, from in, death in row. his life, like the first, like that's that's what he's saying. He's saying that the first album Snoop ever put out was Darkest Style. The second one was um, the Dog Father. The Dog Father, so which those two albums were Death Row. Don't sleep on that album. And the third album, <laughs> don't most sleep on the do, Dog Father. But most people do. It's like Art of War. It's like, it's a good album. It's a good album. I, I never heard that album because it was just bad timing. It does. It's not a bad album. It's just what happened with Doggy Style was a couple. When Dr. Dre wasn't there to produce, number one, number two, there was this whole death. I Row think they shit. still did have a, a bunch of Dre beats. A bunch of Dre beats, but it was. It's not really Dre. But it's, it's not, just it's them. The, but Dre produces on his own production as well. So he he guides you along his beat. It's like he just, just yes. doesn't make a beat. He paints the canvas as well. So you has and then Dr. Dre wasn't really there. Um, Shug, that was the beginning of the death row breakdown. The, the the walls were starting to crack, and Snoop Dogg was he he was just kind of lost in the sauce. And so he, so that's why I was just surprised to see that he went to No Limit, and I remember just being a fan and thinking No Limit. Well, no limit saved his life, dude. Yeah, I I I agree with that, but it's just it's kind of like right now if you just saw Tom Brady in a Browns jersey, <laughs> you would just no. What well, maybe doing? that's not a good example because I I wouldn't you know people don't necessarily think highly of the Browns. I thought pretty highly of, of oh wait no oh wait I've got it. Well, it's ooh. like if you see LeBron in a Miami. Jer- no, that already happened. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, anyway, I'm sorry. Exactly. So, Something that just doesn't fit at first. Right, exactly. And it didn't fit at first because that album. And it album. didn't fit at first. Yeah. It didn't fit at first. The game is to be sold, not to be told, was the first one released mm-hmm. on No Limit. That and, was uh, like 97, 98. Right. 98. I'm, that was 98. Album was okay. I can remember him describing his experience and why people asked him, why didn't you have more West Coast production? Why didn't you rap like this? Why did why did you have 12 people on your song? And it was because he was like, look, this wasn't my world. It was like if if 12 people are in the studio and they're like, let's do this song. Okay, Fiend. Okay, Mac. Okay, 12 other folks. Get on your. He's like, I just did it. So the album didn't And then who work. wouldn't want to do a song with Snoop Dogg? Now, Snoop Dogg was already, he hadn't reached legend status at this point, but it's Snoop Dogg. Yeah, but it, it created a disjointed, a disjointed right, album. Right. Because uh, I remember I bought that. Uh, and I'm sorry. It, I'm yeah. Sorry. It, it How kinda, much did you pay for that? I can't even remember. I think I, my mommy bought it. I'm going to give you your mom's money back. Yeah, yeah. But well, he redeemed know. himself with the No Limit Top Dog album. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because that one had Bitch, Bitch Please. Please was on it. Um, he was allowed that to do. That sounded like a West Coast. Style. They allowed him to just. Be Snoop Dogg. Be Snoop Dogg. They were like, you know what, man? Do what you want to do. I used to love that song. Didn't um, that one also have uh, Fuck Them Other Niggas because I'm down. It had that. What? (sighs) Another highly sample song by today's generation. Bitch Please. Down For My Niggas was on that. Um, My favorite song. Bitch Please. Buck Em. Buck Em. Remember that? I remember that. Dr. Dre was on that. Buck Em and Sticky Fingers. That was only his second album. Um, And... He comes out with this album that like sweeps the country is the number one album really in the world. Doggy style. And then the second album, it really kind of falls flat according to, you know, like I said, I feel like if I go back and I listen to it now, I would probably think it was a classic or it was amazing. It was slept on. It was it was 
Dogfather was slept on just because he was he got a shitty another stick, if you really want me to tell you the truth. Like I said, it was really that, the death row thing. Right. It was the death row thing. But my overall point, the third album. This, that, that's the first No Limit album. Yeah. So that's two albums straight that things don't kind of work out like they're supposed to before he gets to that fourth album and it's like, oh, okay, this is the guy that we remember. He refound himself. So I think that that's pretty unique for him to be the legend that he is because most people don't get two straight screw-ups. No, 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 no. At least in the view of, of the people. Like, that's kind of just how they viewed it. Um, But yeah, you know, if, if you could kind of like categorize snoop albums like how is that going to go in your mind like how what's your top three top two blue carpet treatment and i said that like i'm a crazy man blue carpet treatment will be number three mm-hmm. number two would be no limit top dog and the best snoop dog album of all time would be doggy style which i believe i have that in this studio uh yeah, so that's th- those are my top three Snoop Dogg albums. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Those are the, those are the best three albums: Doggy Style, No Limit, Top Dog, and the Blue Carpet Treatment. Have what, you guys heard the new album Kool Aid? No. No. What's the worst Snoop Dogg album? I, I haven't even heard all of them to even really say that. I would guess Dog Father. I'm going to say. Um, I got to say uh, the game is to be solved, not told. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I'm going to say that one. People uh, slept on Dogfather, man. Um, you, go back. And I know there's the probably dog, still something classic about Dogfather dog that I'm going to. That was the I'm first time like, him and Charlie Wilson got together on a song with Snoop So Side Your Head. Snoop, Snoop So Side Your Head was a hit. I, I, remember, I remember seeing him perform that on Saturday Night Live. That was pretty classic, you know, just looking back at it. He always had it. It was just he, he had to find himself. I think that Snoop Dogg has been through a lot of transitions, and he learned the Snoop Dogg we have now was because he learned how to survive. Those lessons that he that that he learned through all those failures and crazy situations made Snoop Dogg the man he is now, and he's better for it. And having good timing and leaving Death Row. And leaving Death Row when he left Death Row. And another interesting thing I was going to say before is that, interestingly enough, if it wasn't for Snoop Dogg, I wouldn't be rapping. Snoop Dogg was was the influence on me to start rapping. So if you listen to this, Snoop Dogg, I love you. (laughs) Yeah. Before we go, what's up with this shit? Y'all was talking about Willie D. No, rap a lot. And Vanilla Ice. Oh, Vanilla Ice was almost signed to rap. It's like a, just an interesting tidbit. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting factoid. Yeah, I got that <laughs> from a Disney show. Uh, my daughter was interesting factoid. Oh, I can't think of the name I of the show. Say but, you got the information about Vanilla Ice from a Disney show. I'm well, like, that would be interesting down. too. But um, about rap a lot. Rob Van but, Winkle. Um, Willie D actually brought Vanilla Ice to rap a lot. Okay. Pre, um, Ice Ice Baby. I'm guessing that like. You know, a lot of times what happens is... And this was before Suge hung him from a window. Right, right. And this, what happens in the industry a lot of times is these songs will oh. circulate in the industry before they get public. Because, you know, it's all about networking and trying to show people who you are and what you have. So I'm guessing that he got Willie D got a hold of this song and was like, look, we need to sign this kid. He told this story on, uh, I want to say Combat Jack. Go back and listen to that episode. Okay. And uh, he was just talking about how he introduced Vanilla Ice to 
Jay Prince. And Jay Prince was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and sign him. But for some weird old reason, they never got a chance to sign the paperwork. So when Vanilla Ice dropped, Willie D thought that they had a hit on their hands and called Jay Prince. And I might not be telling the story right. And was like, no, we never got a chance to sign him. So Damn. Vanilla Ice almost ended up on Raff a lot. Because I think, as a matter of fact, I think that Vanilla Ice is from Dallas, Texas. Okay. So, okay. um, yeah, he was almost signed I, I don't think that that would fit, though, to be honest with you. Not like. No, it wouldn't fit, but it would have been a hit. It would have been, been a moneymaker. It would have. It would have. Uh, hey, I used to love that song when I was a kid. I don't give a fuck with nobody. I don't think that the song, the writing, just for that time, it, it, it's a well-written song. It's just who was delivering it was just such a he was just such a corny person and everything that was going on with him and man listen i kind of looked at him like he was a fake ass hammer and i was never really he was the a biggest, white he was a white hammer that's why so I, I was never the biggest hammer fan but i had respect for hammer and his show and his entertainment factor so when i looked at vanilla ice i just said okay this is what people have always done you have a uh, african-american artist that's like the superstar and you go get a white version you make way more money new edition and all these other different groups, same thing happened. So I never liked him because of that. But the song was well written, strong, and I like look at that strong black man standing up for his ninja, culture and his race. The Ninja Turtle song, Ninja, go Ninja. ninja. That shit is a classic. Ninja. I still ninja. like that. I Rap. still like go that. Ninja, go Ninja, go, 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 nin- go, go. <laughs> that shit is hard, man. Doom, doom, doom. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, first that uh, Ninja Turtle, but yeah, he is a, he is a fake person uh, who. T U R T L E power. T U R T L E power. Yeah, that jump was hard. Yeah, he still so stole our our uh, culture though. He's still yeah, he's a he's a culture vulture. Appropriate, definitely our a culture, culture. Yeah. Um. Well, fellas, it's uh time to break up out of here. Uh, any last thoughts on any subject we touched? I appreciate hip hop. I appreciate music, new and old, or I should say classic. <laughs> and I learned so much from hip hop. Not only uh, who I am as a person, not only how I treat people, but just simply listening to the samples and discovering old music, which was new to me. And uh, yeah, I love hip hop. That's what I want to leave with. Jonathan Crane. Damn, man, that, that's such a great point. That's just that's just an interesting point. Uh, I'm just going to have to agree with him. I'm, I'm going to agree with him on that one. And uh, and I, you know what, man? Sometimes you do have to just touch the pussy a little bit. <laughs> In the words of Trump, I may vote for him after saying something <laughs> like that. Somebody asked me. Somebody asked me what I took away from it. Somebody asked me, hurry up, hurry up. Lawrence G. Yes, Joe. And that's the show we have. Yeah, the, we're gonna. Yes, Joey Burnham. <laughs> what did you take away from the television? That bitch is lying. I was gonna say the television show today. <laughs> that bitch is lying. Oh, you're talking about the Christian mom? Yeah, fuck her. She's lying. Talking about I don't believe staples. her. Um, turn off your radio. What's her Instagram, man? You can do. You, do you have her? Can you find she has her some good, big old titties too. I don't. I don't want to see her Instagram. It's not going to be anything worth looking at. I don't. Probably some good spanked <laughs> bunch of uh, pictures of her what kids in church. What, what is this? At the Bible, at the church bake sale and Bible study. Anyway, man. Uh, we finna break off out of here. Grown folks, like we always say about this time, don't go out there and do no dumb shit. Like lie about hearing a Vince Staples song on the radio knowing damn well it ain't playing on a pop station, you lying hole. Anyway. I'm not with you on that, man. I, I, just I believe her. it. I believe it. She lied. Anyway, because grown ass men. You looked into that white woman's eyes and you can't. 
You can't believe that something so pure would come up. <laughs> she would never lie. She's uh, white. Because grown ass men do grown man shit. Yeah, yeah. We out. Peace. The Grown Ass Man Hip Hop Show is brought to you by Fourth Coast Media, produced by Lawrence Tremell, and recorded at Fourth Coast Studios. This is a Fourth Coast Media production. Fourth Coast? What?